Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bald Move Prestige podcast. Uh, And this is going to be a re-release of our podcast for last year's Bald Movie award-winning film, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, which, hey, if you haven't seen it before, you should, because it's a great antidote for the cynicism of today. And this is going to be the first uh, chance for non-club members to hear our spoiler uh, take for this movie. So, um, as mentioned in the Dunkirk re-release that we did previously, uh, this year marks our sixth annual Baldies Awards, the upcoming celebration in February. I'm not going to repeat the whole spiel because you can just go back and listen to the first 15 minutes of Dunkirk if you want to hear it. Uh, but we're using this lead up to this year's Baldy Awards uh, show to crown Mega Baldies from all the previous winners of the five main categories. Uh, last week we did Best Comedy. This week we're going to determine the last five years who was the best male actor. Uh, of course, the Baldies, as I said, coming out in February. So keep on the watch for that, especially because there's, there's uh, always a listener choice kind of poll uh, that we're going to be announcing the links for that in the upcoming weeks uh, on podcasts and the show notes section um, on Twitter, that kind of thing. So just be on the lookout if you want your voice heard and selecting the very best of 2020 pop culture and entertainment, at least as far as Bald Move is concerned. Uh, Jim. You're here. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about best male actor. And um, the here is the list. Is... Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> here, here, here's the list uh, for 2015. Justin Thoreau won for Kevin Garvey Jr. Leftovers season two. 2016. Anthony Hopkins as Dr. Robert Ford Westworld season one. 2017. Justin Thoreau as Kevin Garvey Jr. The Leftovers season three. 2018, Jared Harris as Captain Francis Crozier from AMC's The Terror. And in 2019, last year, we had Rami Malek. Rami Malek as uh, Mm -hmm. Elliot Alderson. Not Anderson. Elliot Alderson uh, from the finale season of Mr. Robot. This is a tough category, man. Uh, Yeah. Movies are kind of a little bit all over because, you know, you got some things I personally like more in science fiction and some things I kind of. But like these are all like tippy top excellent uh, beat out uh, 10 other dudes each year to get to this point. And I love all of these shows and all of these performances. What the hell are we going to do? Yeah, What's I mean, your thoughts? When we're actually debating each year's qualities, it's easy to start eliminating stuff right off the bat because uh, there's good stuff. And there's bad stuff. This is all good stuff. So like, mm-hmm. how do you how do you even really start? I I think I can start. Um, unfortunately, and and these are all going to be hard cuts, but by eliminating Rami Malek. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to go for Jared Harris. Oh, see, okay. I I was debating I mean, whether or not thing. to start off this this discussion with there are really only two picks here. And they're Justin Thoreau <laughs> and Anthony Hopkins, but it sounds like we both are coming to that organically. So, unless, yeah, unless I mean, you Justin have Thoreau, a strong defense of Malik, uh, Justin Thoreau ca- uh, casting, uh, shall we say, long shadow over the category, uh, soaking sure. up two of the top spots. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess the thing, the problem, the only problem with Jared Harry, Jared Harry here on the Terry. Is that it's a miniseries. It's a one shot. He created this indelible character. It's an amazing character. It's an amazing performance, but it's only one piece of work. And I find myself, even though that's not fair, mm-hmm. um, I find myself like when I think of Rami Malik on uh, Mr. Robot, I don't think of just his final 
uh, season. And it had some great, you know, that that one five act play that they pulled off. Um, but I think of like what he did throughout the entirety of that series. Sure. Uh, same thing with Justin Thoreau, like Justin Thoreau season two versus season three kind of all blend together to season one. Um, Anthony Hopkins is a little bit more one to one comparison, but also he is just a legend and he brought 100 yeah. percent of his skills and ability to this role that is in a you know, mind fuck of a series. And uh, he kind of sold that twist that kind of blew us all away in that, in that first uh, season and always kept us guessing. Mm-hmm. So that's how I see it. I will say there's not a lot of range in any of these uh, characters, right? Like, and I'm not saying the actors don't have it, but the characters don't require it. Um, you don't think Justin, like uh, Kevin Garvey Jr.? Like rage, it, sorrow, joy, incredulity. Joy, I man, I'm I'm struggling to to remember any scenes where he experienced joy. Uh, <laughs> Sob singing. Uh huh. There's a couple a couple cute moments with Nora and uh, it's mostly just the kids grief and despair and that kind of shit. Uh, and 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 what the hell is going on? Yeah, and there's confusion, a lot of yeah. a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Um, uh, or, or like Anthony Hopkins is just like this smug. Uh, I, I don't even know how to describe it. The guy who knows everything about everything and is just waiting for you to catch up if you can sort of thing. Yeah. He's a deep old file. Um, I just come back to when I think of I'm trying to think of like the defining moment of all these characters. Um, mm-hmm. I honestly can't even think of the defining moment of Jared Harris on the terror. Uh, it's more of just like the overall excellence, but I can't think of like a standout scene where, um, you know, Rami Malek, of course, you know, I just saw this last year, but like what I, what I, uh, uh, when I mentioned his, uh, five act play that he did with, uh, uh, God, I've already forgotten the character. He, um, uh, Gloria Rubin, his therapist, mm-hmm. and uh, the the king in New York City. Uh-huh. Uh, I think of that, the, the, in particular, that scene where he makes, I'm not going to spoil it because it's only a year old, but he makes a certain connection about the basic truth of his existence, and holy shit, you, yeah. like, he, he poured his soul out into that. Justin Thoreau, I think of Homeward Bound. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That's a defining scene for this series. And how, like, that, like... Oh my god, that scene just completely just 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 destroyed me. And uh and I think of him like this, you know, we didn't have the Baldies in season 1, but I think of him like carrying uh Jill out of the burning building. I think of uh things like that. Um and it's I just don't know that it's possible for these other gentlemen to compete with that moment. Uh you know. But but uh, Anthony Hopkins yeah. Like I, I think of like how he was able to play these things, like uh, how he played like he didn't care about the the robots. You know, he made very points to dehumanize them, and um, but then you know, like I, I remember like going back three or four different times about like his character and what he was all about and what it all meant. Um, I, and and I, I don't know if many other people could could do that. Um, and he makes the, I the guess standout it, for him is that final scene of uh, his final scene of season one of Westworld, where he gives the speech in front of you know all mm-hmm. these investors and whatnot, and then uh, you know Dolores starts her attack kind of stuff. That mm-hmm. I don't know of another actor who could have 
brought me to the emotional space I needed to be in at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. To and it's the linchpin of the entire season. If that scene doesn't work, the season kind of doesn't work. So. Yeah, it requires the talents of a legendary actor, and Anthony Hopkins is one. Yeah, and I think that the one knock I could give on Justin Thoreau, because you're right, Anthony Hopkins. I struggle to think of who else could carry that that particular peculiar role. Justin Thoreau, I feel like kind of just a guy. Uh, he's very, very good. Don't get me wrong, but like I could probably think of five leading men in Hollywood that could have done that role. Um, you know, like this good looking yeah. everyman uh, that carries himself like he doesn't give doesn't have a care in the world. But deep down, he's this roiling thing of emotion. Um, but you know what? Uh, five of the guys didn't play that role. It it's was uh, Justin Thoreau. And, you know, he had to, on several occasions had to dig deep and 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 bring it. And he did. And, and, and also, since I know Justin Thoreau is not an unknown quantity, but he was for me like, you know, The Leftovers was my real first uh, introduction to guys like uh, Christopher Eccleston, Eccleston, Eccleston um, yeah. Justin Thoreau, of course, Nora Durst. Um, I mean, Carrie Coon, <laughs> Regina King, like I, I not like these, these people were just people. They were just characters to me. Um, whereas if you had Jude Law or Matt Damon, um, in that role, uh, there would have been initial kind of like, oh my God, it's Jude Law and Matt Damon, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit of the stunt casting. Uh, so I don't, I, I mean, I, I, I want to give it to just, I want to give it 2015 Justin Thoreau season two. Well, I, I feel like he's got <laughs> the advantage here because he's won twice. And so you have two seasons of, of consideration yeah, 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 yeah. here. Yeah. Um, he's, he's, he's covering the board. Yeah. Yeah. And I, hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to think like whether I appreciate Justin Thoreau doing his just a guy sort of thing. Because I agree with you. Like, I didn't know much about Justin Thoreau. I'm sure I had seen him in a role here or there. Zoolander. Sure. Uh. I had definitely seen Zoolander <laughs> before I saw season right. one of The Leftovers. Uh, uh, Scott Pilgrim, right? Was he one of the vegan? No, he, wait. No, no that's he wasn't. Roush. That's a uh, or Routh. Uh, I don't know. Superman, whatever. And Thomas Jane. Oh, not only that, but uh, Thomas Jane. Thomas Jane. I, I got Thomas yeah. Jane and Justin Thoreau confused. Oh. How? <laughs> okay. I uh, just did it. I, yeah. I, I'm kind of leaning toward Justin Thoreau. I mean, I, I think of like episodes like International Assassin. You mentioned the Homeward Bound scene, um, which is one of the finest scenes of any show I've ever seen. Um, and one of the finest performances. Like that transition from extraordinarily confused dream world uh guy into i i don't know like the, the he he really like sells all of the emotional weight of everything that's happened to him coming home in this one season um and and yeah i could I think mean, of other just... actors that could do that but he did it like you said and it it got me like it's one of those scenes that gets me you know not not many scenes in film get me there are a couple in like big fish that get me uh, uh the homeward bound is one of those scenes man right and that's like a, you, you mentioned big fish and I, I know what you're talking about um but that, that kind of draws on your personal relationship and your personal experience where it's like 
it's so weird because everything is so conceptual and metaphysical on on the leftovers. I can't say that I mm-hmm. directly connected with uh, Kevin Garvey's material. I I felt like I was always more sympathetic to um, uh, Miss Garvey, Mrs. Garvey, and what she was going through um, yeah. uh, with the cult and and things like that. Christopher Eccleston uh, trying to figure out uh, what to do with his faith when it's been fractured. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, like man, it just made that instant through line connection of a man who's like you said, he's dealing with all this crazy shit, and he just decides to give in and accept. Like okay, whatever. Um, and like, I mean, it's just like that's 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 a it's it's just a whole perf- that's like a two minute thing where he like goes on an emotional journey as he's singing this song. It's great. It's great. It um, feels like something out of a, a David Lynch film, but it works. Um, hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I know Justin Thoreau is not like a singer, right? Um, and the that's yeah he he's he's not an amazing singer but he's a passable singer um and it works in that moment he's it, but that's more yeah. of just like he's a dude right he's just a guy yeah he's not a, a superstar talent in that world he's just a dude uh yeah I, I could I could get down with Justin Thoreau probably for season two because it does have international assassin and it does have that homeward bound scene. Yeah, we'll probably be talking about this in, in best dramatic series because, uh, spoiler alert, uh, The Leftovers uh, also covers the field a bit in that category. But <laughs> right. it's going to be tough between season two and season three. Yeah. Um, we'll because... go into more depth on that. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, like, yeah, we, we've already been uh, talking for quite a long time. Let's get to uh, Tom Hanks as Fred Rogers in A Beautiful Day in a Neighborhood. Hope you guys enjoy that and uh, hope you come in next week. For the next uh, bald movie, movie um, baldy movie winner, and a discussion of uh, the female actors that have uh, lit up our screen the last five years, uh, be on the lookout for the the People's Choice Awards coming out on the podcast on the social media, and uh, we'll see you next time. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another First Run Bald Movies. We've got a treat tonight. Uh, Jim and I went to the cinema to see a film. The Cinemark, even. <laughs> called A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Uh, it's directed by Marielle Heller, who directed Di- a Diary of a Teenage Girl, and also Can You Ever Forgive Me? That uh, uh, Oh, shoot. Is Melissa Hartman? No. Joan Hart? No. Who is it? <laughs> Melissa? Oh, the the Melissa McCarthy film, uh, huh. and it's been on that's been on my HBO watch list for a while. Uh, I've kind of was tempering my expectation because I was really excited about this because last year I saw that Fred Rogers documentary, "Won't You Be My Neighbor," and I read this article about around that time the the, the article that this film's based on, and then I started hearing things like, "Oh, there's only like 20 minutes of Fred Rogers in it, and it's really not about him so much as about this journalist and his his story." Uh, so I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to dial back because I thought this was more of a biopic. I left the movie very pleasantly surprised. I found this a very emotionally effective and uh, just just in a really um, a ama- uh, pretty amazing film. What do you think? Uh, I wasn't pleasantly surprised, but I was pleased. Uh, yeah, I mean, I love this movie. I think it's mm-hmm. great. This is this kind of movie that if you're estranged from your parents, perhaps makes you want to call them up and say, hey, yeah, no, can we, can we fix this whole situation? You know? Yeah, I totally get that vibe. Um, yeah. And it is disarming. I definitely want to talk about that. But also there's 
a lot like watching Mr. Rogers itself. There's a few things where the film started doing a, th- a particular thing, and I'm like, there's no fucking way this is going to work. This is going to be the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Hmm. And then, like, th- r- midway through it, I'm like, my God, my God, I, I know exactly what they're doing, and it's exactly huh. what Mr. Rogers tr- did. I mean, and- I'm curious to see which parts you, yeah. you think they are in the spoiler section, because... Yeah. There's something structurally about this thing that I want to talk about uh-huh. that is really, really good. Yeah. Uh, no, the whole framing device. But I don't is want to amazing. give it. I don't want to give anything away because, yeah, yeah. like, discovering that was part of the process of yes, watching this movie. I agree. Um, I thought it was the thing that surprised me is because I have seen the Fred Rogers documentary and I have seen the article or have read the article. Mm. Um, and there's another one that came out this week. I'm going to link all these in the show notes. Um, an article in the New York Times about Tom Hanks. Uh, that's pretty feel-good story um, hmm. uh, about his experience making this movie in his life. But I, I was impressed. I was amazed at how much liberty I felt like they took with the 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 article that this was based on this guy's story. Like I felt like they really punched it up in a lot of places and they changed the order of things and oh. they amped up the story. Um, not in a way that was like offensive, and I think it's a, it's it's a great primer to like, kind of the man behind Mister Rogers and the effect that he had on people. Yeah, yeah. And I think it might inspire a lot of people to check out the documentary and to read the article. And because one thing I want to talk about, maybe in the spoiler section, is is it possible to found like a secular religion based on the life of Fred Rogers? Is it possible to found an an art school on Bob Ross? Yeah, you absolutely then, then, fucking okay. Could. Then you could do it around Mister Rogers as well. Yes. And I'm I'm I mean, like you know, like not saying he's divine or anything, but this man, like what what really impressed me about Mister Rogers, and it comes across in all the all the really serious deep pieces you've seen, is not that he was a, a saint or that he was mm-hmm. some perfect human being, just that he really practiced. And studied being a good human being, yeah, and and worked at it like a hobby or like a vocation or mm-hmm. a calling. And you, you, when you watch that and you start to realize that, it's like, why don't we all do that? Why don't I mean? I, I think you know, like, well, they, they make it clear in the movie, it's hard work. It is very hard. You know, it's work. not something that just comes naturally to him. It's something he practices. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's why we don't do it because it's hard. It's hard. That's depressing. Yeah. But accurate. And I, yeah. I, the thing is, like, I, I wonder, like, if, um, if in the, like, is, is, or, like, if Fred Rogers a singular person, or is, like, he an outlier that shows us what's possible and that, like, we can bend the human arc towards that direction? Because, my God, hmm. what couldn't we accomplish if we were, like, a half as compassionate and empathetic as, as Fred yeah. Rogers? Yeah. No, I mean, I, 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 my relationship with Mr. Rogers uh-huh. is one that is now 30 years old mm-hmm. uh, and, and 30 years in my past. It's not like I've, you know, binge watched Mr. Rogers anytime yeah. lately. Yeah. Uh, so so I have like vague, fuzzy memories of the show um, that were good memories. And I remember liking it and enjoying what I'd seen of it. But it's been so long that I forgot, you know, most of the the stuff that he did yeah. in that show. Mm-hmm. Uh and so, like, seeing this movie as sort of a, a reminder, oh, yeah, like, Fred Rogers probably should have been a bigger part of my childhood. Like, mm-hmm. I came away from this movie going, l- looking at children's entertainment. Yes. And and saying, you could show your child Fred Rogers stuff, mm-hmm. or you could show your child 
Dragon Ball Z and fucking Yu-Gi-Oh and Pokemon. And maybe there's some okay lessons to learn from sure. those those shows, right? Mm-hmm. But they're nowhere near the lessons that Mr. Rogers was trying to teach children. Yeah. And and it's just it's not even about like, oh, he raises topics, but he he sort of like seemingly gives children permission to feel the things they're feeling. Yeah. And that's like super important when you have parents who are saying, you know, you you need to act right or you mm-hmm. need to behave or like you need to like stop doing that. Mm-hmm. Like the, don't don't process why you're doing it and be, and the feelings behind it. Just stop it. Or acknowledge the validity of those things. Right. But right. also acknowledge the importance of channeling those into healthy directions. And right. Um, so Mr. So seeing this movie is like, oh man, now I truly get what Mr. Rogers was all about. Yeah. And because I remember, and I, I don't I, know if that's a false impression of you know, by, given to me by a movie that is no, loosely here's the thing. based on Mr. Rogers or I, what. I. I watched a lot of Mr. Rogers from a very young age. In fact, yeah. I don't remember a time where I didn't watch Mr. Rogers. And because my brother, like, as I was growing out of Mr. Rogers, then my sister came uh, along because right. we had a pretty big. And then three years later, my little brother came along and I would watch it. You know, I, so by the time my brother came along, I, along, I was like a, a teenager, like a 12, 13 year old. And I'd watch, you know, like I'd kind of like, you know, be reading a book and He'd be on in the background and I'd be like, oh, brother Jesus. But then sometimes like I'd remember like I'd see things I saw as a kid, like uh, when he came home and his pet fish had died. Oh, and, you know, he did the whole thing. He scooped it out and he said, you know, I read somewhere that sometimes you can give a fish like a a bath and some salt water and that'll revive them. And kind of it's, it's like a treatment for them. And he tried that and he spends like five to ten minutes on this fucking fish and then like you know has like a little you know talks about death and how some everything dies and mm-hmm. and i remember like remember watching as a kid and thinking like this is blowing my mind but then watching my little brother watch it uh and it's like i said it's just this weird show where like this guy seems ridiculous until you start listening uh, to him talk. And there's, yeah. um, I don't want to spoil anything because there's so many things I want to say. It's, it's like the articles and documentary, but they weave a lot of that into the movie. And uh, mm-hmm. he's he's just a really fascinating guy. And I I, I remember like, um, you know, I, I do this new political show. And in the first two weeks, the idea of like, you know, positive masculinity has come up and been a topic discussion. And I think like... What a different way to be a man that Fred Rogers was, mm-hmm. but like something that's universally beloved and respected. Like he commanded yeah. respect from oh, people. Yeah. He wasn't. Uh, there's a line in the article that this is based on, uh, where he's talking the experience of of where Mister Rogers, like he was in a room and some people like initially weren't taking him serious, and he said there's a there was a point where the room realized that this was not some eunuch. Mm-hmm. That was going to be like shuffled off that he was an authority figure and that he was used to being respected and listened to. And he's like just kind of like waited for the room to realize that, too. And then once <laughs> he had him, he continued. I'm like, yeah, how the fuck do you do that with this manner about you? Right. Because he's very quiet. Yeah. He, he's very uh, measured in his responses yeah. at all times. And you think it's it's one of those guys where it's like, is this guy for real? But once yeah. you realize he's for real, and that's like, man, the documentary is that it really went into like, you know, he had a bunch of beatneck hippie crew uh, mm-hmm. that was kind of on the wall, but they loved and respected him. And he wasn't like, you know, he could laugh and joke with them. But also, uh-huh. this is very serious what we're doing. Don't what we, we have to take the work seriously. And mm-hmm. I. 
what a righteous dude, man. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like a cool guy. Um, hey, here's the thing. I came in here. Yeah. Uh, when I saw who was, what company was contributing to this, and I was prepared to just tear it to pieces. What was that? Uh, Tencent. Do you know anything about Tencent? No, they, I do they, not. They own like 40% of, of Epic or something, and they're all over Fortnite. They own like 100% of uh, League of Legends, Riot video games. games. Yeah. Tencent. And they made a Mr. Rogers movie? They're like, the they're one of the biggest companies in the world. Whoa. Like one of the biggest entertainment companies in the world based out of China. And I was like, well, they're just fucking strip mining nostalgia for profit here. Oh, Tenzin. Tencent. Oh, Tencent. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah, I still don't. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm amazed I haven't, like, this This I'm, This is all new to me. I listen to Giant Bomb a lot. <laughs> all right. They talk about him. Uh, so I was prepared to come in here and rip it, mm-hmm. uh, at least from that angle. But it's hard to, like, take anything away from this when it's such an honest film. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I really felt like they were not trying to portray Mr. Rogers in a certain light. Mm-hmm. They were just showing me the man that he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the effect that he has on people around him with this, this narrative they were constructing. So like, I don't know. Yes, they're going to make money on this. Yeah. But I don't know if that's wrong with the film they've made. Well, I mean, that's one of the, the silver linings to these giant soul sucking companies is every once in a while they fuck around and give money to the right project and do something amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, shit, might as well celebrate the wins while we got them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, 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 the thing is, I feel like saying more about the look of the film and like the the way that some of the cinematic techniques uh, would take away from. I will say that like there's the opening scene, uh, the first time you see Tom Hanks as Mister Rogers, and he's mm-hmm. in and he's singing. It's a beautiful day, and you know how it goes, and he's doing the clothes, and I'm like. <laughs> There's something manic a little bit that I don't remember about Fred Rogers, like almost like Tom Hanks is nervous doing this. I imagine you got to be. Yeah. And like, it's like hard to do like what the things and and then like after he got through the song, he turns to like a, this prop mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, as he made that turn, I'm like, oh, wow, he just nailed it. Like, it was, like, a little Uncanny Valley Fred Rogers. And then for the rest of the movie, like, I thought Tom Hanks Mm -hmm. did an amazing characterization of Mr. Rogers. He doesn't particularly look like Mr. Rogers. I mean, they help him along the makeup. Yeah, not particularly. But the voice and the mannerism and the, you know. And the presence. I mean, just. There you go. Like, yeah, him him on camera as Mr. Rogers, I think, worked incredibly well. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the- I, I lost Tom Hanks at some point in this movie. Yeah. And I just saw Fred Rogers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he does that a lot. He's a very good character actor in a, in, yeah. in addition to so many other things. And he's got some, he's got comic timing, which he gets the, oh, right. I wouldn't have expected to see like comic timing Tom Hanks, uh, SNL star performer <laughs> Tom Hanks uh, used to be, everyone known him as a funny guy. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't expect that in a Mr. Rogers movie, but he did some like really fun, he had some fun with it. Absolutely, as as Mister Rogers did himself. Um, what what do you think about uh, Matthew uh, Reese? Reese, yeah, yeah, fantastic. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He was. Eh, I I don't want to give too much away, but uh-huh. he was exactly what he needed to be in this in this show. Yeah, this movie. Yeah, I I, I I've always like I like him a lot, and I loved mm-hmm. his performance in Americans, but I ultimately yeah. didn't like the Americans. 
and no, i didn't. really hated the asshole he played in like uh i forget what season it was as girls but i liked i, I liked his i i, I hmm. i'm glad that i finally saw a performance of his that was like long form and i just felt like <laughs> n- unconflicted and how much i loved it yeah i thought he did a like a really good job i, I mean that's the other uh, thing is i felt like i learned a lot about being a son and i also kind of learned a lot about being a father Mm-hmm. Um, from this movie. I mean, that sounds pretty hokey for an hour and a half movie, but I think it's true. Yeah, I think it's true. Yeah, like I said, the the way you're talking about like you know family and stuff, it's uh, mm-hmm. that's a hell of a movie. Have an impact like that. I agree. Uh, do you want to get into the trailers? Let's do it. Okay. So I have a ton. I saw this the for the first time the new trailer for Cats. Yes, I did too. Jim, I startled the room yesterday in the Bald Move headquarters <laughs> when I, I I screamed, didn't I? You did. I screamed. I'm like, what the fuck? What the fuck? I saw a headline where apparently they spent three hundred million dollars, <laughs> and we had to legitimately go and research whether no, this was the it. most I'm like, expensive that, movie ever made. Three hundred million dollars. It almost is. Ma- and Jim, yeah. I can't impress upon you how much this thing makes no fucking sense i've Dude. seen the play live i i, I told uh, cecily I, I saw this like i was a 23 and it's like a fucking fever dream and she's like oh i can't be like that we rented it <laughs> off amazon the broadway recording of it it's at, at uh, it's even incomprehensible because when i saw it live i was up in the nosebleed sections of the air and off and like it was you yeah, know, these yeah. cats running around and when you're a jellico cat you go jellico fat and and like <laughs> what the hell is going on but seeing everything in motion and getting subtitles uh-huh. i still don't know what the fuck is going on yeah they're magical cats and i mean Ian they McKellen, get taken up in spaceships Idris elba dame judy dench McCavity. Uh, do you know about McCavity? No. He's an evil cat. Do you know how? You know oh, is that, James that he's evil? Because every once in a while, the cats just kind of hiss and go, McCavity. <laughs> For 30 <laughs> seconds. Here's the thing. Yeah? They could spend $300 million on this movie because I did. guarantee this thing is going to make a billion dollars on perverts alone. You th- oh, I didn't think about the yeah. furry vote. I mean, it's, it's Idris Elba covered in hair with no growing to speak of people are gonna go wild for this yeah, shit. yeah and the, the lady perverts. cats are all shapes and sizes oh, and colors yeah. and the and if the, you're not the into guys idris so they got james corden for you you want a butch cat they got butch cat you want a little finny yeah. kind of like you know cute uh k-pop uh, uh the cat they got that it's all shapes and sizes <laughs> Sure. When you're a Jellico cat, you can Jellico get it, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Jellico, Jellico, Jellico. I don't know. It's I, good. I, yeah. I, I'll tell you another thing. Me and Cecily are going to see this thing. And we're going to fucking do a podcast on it. <laughs> I'll tell there's, you something. I'm not. <laughs> there's not a there's not a doubt in my mind. We're going to do that. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Fox. Did you see this? Just Mercy. I did. Yeah, this looks awesome. It looks awesome. But what's it about? Uh, it's about. A man who's been wrongly convicted, sent to death row, and Michael B. Jordan is going to fight for him. That that's literally all. They, this and it's a about fi- racism in Alabama, and it's got oh, looking wow. glass it's in, in Alabama. It. Okay, yeah. it's got uh, Brie Larson in it. It's yeah. got uh, Tim Blake Nelson, yes. who we're really looking enjoying glass. on The Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Uh, but I don't know what else to say about it. Uh, did you see Harrison Ford? Call of the Wild. And Call of the Wild. I saw Harrison Ford. I saw with a drummer from The Expanse, and uh-huh. I saw a CG dog. Yeah, 
which was a little off-putting. Yeah. It it's that it's in that uncanny valley. Uh-huh. Well, so I remember my dad gave me when I was um like a young man a copy of uh like a collection of Jack uh London novels. Gotcha. Uh, it was a it was a twin edition of Call of the Wild and White Fang, mm-hmm. and I remember reading them both and just like being amazed by how the. But I thought that Call of the Wild was more about like oh, wa- maybe that's White Fang. Maybe I'm getting White Fang confused. But I, I thought the uh, Call of the Wild was more about like uh, um, a young boy and a dog and an adventure <laughs> not an 80 year old man yeah i'm i mean i i'm delighted huh. uh it's a very curious choice to pair him up with a cg dog uh-huh. that's like doing bits and things like it's a it's a weird choice but i like the source material and hmm. it's harrison ford how many times do you see harrison ford grumble out of retirement and do something <laughs> right i mean it's probably just because they said yeah, look, Harrison, you can come in, uh-huh. you can be a loner out in the woods, you don't have to talk to anybody, mm-hmm. we'll just put a camera, you know, a minimum of 100 feet away from you, he we'll thought, give you a green screen pet. He he thought that his, uh, his agent, there's how they got him, his agent called him up and said, hey, it's, it's a hell of a thing, it turns out you actually owe... Uh, uh, a couple more pages of performance for Star Wars. We're going to get you in, do some insert shots with a Chewbacca. Uh-huh. They get some guy in a green sock, and he just thinks he's on Star Wars. Right. He's in, what is this, fucking Hoth? Well, There's right. a lot of snow here. Yeah. A, well, I'm, I'm hooking, hooking a sled up to Chewie. It seems, seems kind of kinky and weird. But yeah, it's, it's the only, it's the only, only answer. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. I saw this. I think this doesn't look bad. Really? Yeah, now that they've think... redone Sonic, okay, I think yes. the movie looks perfectly passable. I, I was impressed with how much like Sonic it felt. Sound effects, visuals. Yes. Okay. Like... And then Sonic does look like Sonic. I can't believe this yeah. was a hard decision. I can't right. believe like what led to the thing. I guess they spent $30 million on fixing this. I saw like the worst take on Twitter ever, which is... Wow, you know, the studio spent $30 million to fix a fan complaint. We got to support this movie or like what is our what is our criticism even worth? And I'm like, well, yeah, but like I said when we this this debacle first happened, I think we talked about this on lunch, like the same people that made Sonic the Hedgehog a nightmare, mm-hmm. abomination are the same people that made the plot and cast and everything else about this movie and thought it was yeah. a good idea. So until I until I see this film is actually passable, I'm still going to suspect it's a giant turd. And I thought I saw a lot of giant turds, even though you're right, they nailed the Sonic part of it. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the overall plot kind of smells turdy. He just, he's just got to go fast, man. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's obviously a kid's movie. I'm not going to rush out to see it, but if it happens to cross my path in the future, I won't... I well, I don't know if I'll be disappointed, but I won't yeah. be reluctant to sit down and yeah. watch it. Uh, Jumanji two, saw Did that one that? too. Yeah, I loved the first the first Jumanji remake. I thought it was more fun than the original, and I quite liked the original. And I think this is going to be a hell of a lot of fun. Can't wait to see it. Yeah, looks probably not a good. bald movie, but um, yeah. it's a good family film. Uh, did you see any of these um, uh, chick flicks? Let's call them little little woman. Little, little women, little, little woman. woman. Yeah, that and Emma, I'm sure you're going to talk okay. about. Yeah, I saw both of those. Were you in the same theater as me? Yes. Oh, well, fuck. <laughs> I, I would have t- handled this in a completely different way if I'd realized that. <laughs> um, I 
I've not seen, I've not read these books. Like I've always heard of Little Women mm -hmm. and uh, Emma, uh, and I've read quite a bit of Jane Austen. And of course, you know, I, I've read a lot of Patrick O'Brien, which is a kind of the masculine side of that coin. Um, I'm kind of amazed I, didn't, I haven't seen either of these movies. I'm really, uh, it, they look great. They have a lot of star mm -hmm. power, like uh, Sorzy Ronan. And did you see Mary Queen of Scots? No, I think that came to HBO last month and I, I watched it on a whim and because uh, it's something that's kind of interested. It has was it Margot Robbie? No, no, it's is it Margot Robbie playing the Queen Queen Elizabeth? Uh, the first was that like the the Knight's Tale kind of like modern? No, uh -uh. it's very it's very oh. like period accurate. And They've been releasing a lot of intriguey and that period stuff. I really I thought she was amazing in it. Uh, it's got Emma Watson, Eliza Scanlon. Did you recognize her? I did see Sharp Objects. Yeah, yeah, Sharp Objects girl. Yep. Um, it looks really good. And Jane Austen. Um, or I mean Emma rather. I meh. Yeah, I think Little Little Women looked real good. Emma. Why not was Emma? Meh. Just because the, the, it didn't have the star power, or because like why? I'm trying to think. I, I don't know. Yeah. It, it was something about the tone of it. I was like not as into it as Little Women. A little more frivolous, perhaps. Yeah, definitely. More of a comedy. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably end up checking them all out. But uh, uh, did that... you see Last Christmas with Amelia Clark? No, I didn't. <laughs> Must have been before you got there. Yeah, yeah. It, oh, we had an experience. It's a rom up to this movie. Oh um, boy. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well. Rom com Amelia Clark. Oh, it was the last Christmas. It's Christmas. I, yeah. Yes. Yes. I have seen this trailer, and I am very excited to see this movie. You are because I'm very not. But it's, oh, it's not my type this of movie. This is part like I'm. This is something me and Cecily are into now. Mm -hmm. What? Oh no! The engineering booth vigorously shaking her head. No, I thought that something we were <laughs> I in. I was told are these ironically terrible Christmas movies, but apparently <laughs> one of us is too cool for school in 2019. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, so we're the 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 line we're drawing is we're not paying for terrible Christmas movies. Uh, we only watch them free on a, uh, Hallmark. Yeah. All right, I mean, but HBO's getting into the game. I mean, not HBO. Uh, Netflix is getting into the game. They've True. got yeah. they got a bunch of terrible Christmas stuff coming. It's 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 a great time. It's a great mm -hmm. time to be alive. Uh, that is there any other trailers? Nope. That is all the trailers for tonight. If you would like to join us in Mister Rogers' neighborhood, uh, it's real easy, neighbor. You just got to go to club.baldmove.com. Uh, you can sign up for free, a free 30-day trial. You can sample all of our wares. And if you think we're worthy enough to support, if, if, if content like our spoiler edition of our movie reviews is worth it, then uh, you, you can remain on. Club.baldmove.com, everybody else, into the spoiler section. What do you want to talk about first? I want to talk about the framing device. Yes. Because I really, really liked it. This movie is basically an episode of Mr. Rogers yeah. that centers around anger Sadness, forgiveness. Uh-huh. Uh, it's it, it even down. I, it blew my fucking mind when they went to the printer and they showed us the process of making these magazines. I was like, that's brilliant. Uh-huh. Uh, and also, like, it's so frivolous. It's so unnecessary in this film. But the fact that they do it, it just... It makes me think that they were aiming for, like, let's make this an actual episode of Mr. Rogers. And yeah. they nailed it. And maybe it'll speak to adults in the same way that like Mr. Rogers yeah. himself speaks to children. I thought, yeah, I thought that was amazing. Like, again, I was a little nervous when I saw um, Tom Hanks kind of like tried in the roll on for size in the beginning. But like by the time a, a dead on Mr. McFeely, like I cannot <laughs> oh, believe yeah. how they nailed the casting for all these people. Uh 
Um, and I think they did a lot of other work where like original, like whenever they were on set and like anything in the, the actual set was like kind of blurred out in the background and foreground as cameras. I think they were actually rolling classic episodes, but I don't know. And and they were also, um, they created new models and the style of, of Mr. Rogers neighborhood. Oh, really? Uh, like, like they had a New York model. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Okay. I thought Which, you said that they, I, cause I assumed they just used the classic sets. Maybe. Oh, maybe they did, uh-huh. uh, for the stuff that actually existed, but I don't know that he ever made a New York model. I'm not sure no, about no, that. No, you're right. Like they did all the, like, you know, the model of Mr. Rogers neighborhood in that style. They did all the different location work like that. And right. it was charming as fuck. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, I loved it. The other thing that I didn't expect from this movie is there's sort of a trippy dream sequence at one point uh-huh. where he's processing the things yes. that Mr. Rogers has told to him via his dreams. Uh, and he ends up, you know, as as Daniel, he ends up like yeah. kind of, you can just tell he's like Mr. Rogers is in his head mm-hmm. and he's having to come to grips with, with, you know, his relationship with his father. I thought it was really mm-hmm. both both strangely trippy but also like poignant and and interesting yeah there's a point in this film where it was around that time where i was like man am i and there's a couple points like this where i'm like am i really going to go along for this ride because as we've discussed in a lot of different things and most recently on the this this last season of the deuce i don't have a lot of patience for narratives where the child must forgive the parents for the wrongs that they've done mm-hmm. you know and i was kind of semi-scandalized by some of the stuff i saw in this film like you know, the the behavior of this man's father was like oh so fucking terrible and i thought that uh matthew reese's wife was kind of like you're really not respecting the history he has with this 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 person and you know, if it's as bad as what they say. And and, and I was also trying to think like, man, and I, I like this doesn't seem like it was the same exact kind of story that was in the article. And I and then hmm. I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, that's not super important. And also, like you said, I by the end of this movie, I'm like, I don't know what I would do if my, I was confronted with the fact that like my mom, for example, was going to like die mm-hmm. like like very, very soon. And she would like call or try to reconcile with me at the end. I, I, I've always, pre- uh, you know, previously just assumed I'd be like, well, okay, great. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting question. I, I think I'm the- thinking about it. I'm thinking about like what, how that would go and like at what point would like, you know, if she starts up with the witness shit, like wanting me to, you know, uh, confess and repent oh, and God, on her yeah. death, like I would be so, f- but that's the thing. It's like, what's the risk? Like, if she does, I just walk out and, like, you know, this terrible woman has died and I never have to worry about her again. Because uh-huh. at the end, that's the thing that's the brilliant thing about our twisted dance is if she's right, when she dies, we'll never see each other again. <laughs> right. Because there's no right. friggin' way I'm working my way into paradise with, <laughs> with what I'm doing now. And if yeah. I'm right and she dies, I'm never going to see her again. Right. So it's like almost like, is there a perverse way we can kind of see eye to eye that this is the end? Can we make some kind of piece out of that? I don't know. Yeah, no, that's an interesting idea. Um, and it's it, it's significantly less complicated with my family. Um, or, or I don't know if it's less complicated, but it's... You've had it's, more contact over... I mean, not a lot. I'm not, you know... I, I, no, not a ton by any means. I've seen them maybe three times in the last 15 years. Yeah. Uh, but but the my point being, like, they... I, I don't hate them, right? Like, I, I don't... Mm-hmm. 
it's weird, but I sort of like respect them for the stance they've taken it's because they firmly stance, believe yeah. in something. And like, I, I'm not living by the rules that they've applied to their own lives. And so they've chosen very uh, specifically not yeah. to speak with me. But like, I, I, I guess I don't feel the same anger at them mm-hmm. the way that like the character in this movie does, Matthew Reese character does toward his father because it like it clearly like shows that Matthew Reese's father wronged the entire family. Yeah. And a very like, cruel and kind of vicious way. And, and a very like pivotal moment. Yeah. A uh, moment where he needed to be there. And yeah. and that's, that's the beauty of it. Like through th- there's that scene in the diner where Mr. Rogers talks with Matthew Reese uh, mm-hmm. or what's, what's the character's name? Uh, Tom, right? Is it Jerry? Yeah. Oh, shit. I, I figure it couldn't be Jerry after Rick and Morty. Like, you know, right, that, yeah. that, that name's between Jerry and uh, on, on Parks and Rec. And it's, it's rough out there for Jerry's, man. You guys got to gotta step up the game. Take your name back. But, this but is for step one. That scene in the diner where, where Fred Rogers is talking with Jerry and he says basically like your dad made you into the person you are. Yeah. And in as much as you like yourself right now... You, at least some part of that is due to the way he behaved, even if mm-hmm. it's bad. Mm-hmm. And like, that's the thing, you know, after that scene, like that's the thing that spins him off into the stream and like all that stuff. And, and you know, I, I, that's true of everybody, right? Like mm-hmm. even if your parents are awful to you, the good in you and the bad in you comes from them yeah. for the most part. So, And I know that like, I think the other thing, the thing that kind of annoyed me still a little bit is I think also Mr. Rogers would be the first one to say that this forgiveness can be on anyone's timetable. And like, you know, he was always respectful to people that were still too angry because, you know, what the fuck, what the fuck does Fred Rogers know about, you know, your dad getting drunk and and maybe slapping around and and leaving you to to tend to your screaming, dying mother alone with your sister? Like, you know, I... And there's that scene when he's playing with the puppet, right? And yeah, and Jerry's very uncomfortable. Uh huh. And and just says, oh, "Let's get back to my questions." And yeah. He's like, "Oh, well, Daniel, he Jerry doesn't want to talk right now. That's okay." Uh huh. Uh-huh. And he puts it away. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think there's a couple, like you know, I was talking about. I was only half joking about. I wonder if you could found a secular religion around the the, the mm-hmm. followings of the life, if not the, because you know, Fred Rogers. Um, the interesting thing about him, from my perspective, is that uh, he's a very devout Christian. Yeah. Uh, also, lifelong Republican, and I think that I don't. I, I wouldn't obviously agree with a lot of his politics. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, like some of the thing that doc that jumped out at me in the documentary is how, like, he really struggled with the fact, like, when one of his, uh, you know, a crewman, uh, the the guy who used to play the policeman in his um, neighborhood. Uh, was gay hmm. and he got outed as gay and like this kind of like you know I, I, it's not really sex scandal it's just that he got outed as gay and there's yeah. a lot of pressure on mr rogers to like get rid of him because like the morality and like he really fucking wrestled with that and like i there's an interview with this man who talked about like what it was like to have like these intense conversations with fred rogers and he struggled with it but at the end he got to the right place and what's hmm. like you know I he loves people. Yeah. And there's this line where he had he said in the in the movie that I'm pretty sure is right from Fred Rogers where he says anything human is mentionable and anything mentionable is manageable. Yeah. And that is a profound fucking statement. 
mm-hmm. that is like a, a, a borderline, like, well, it's not borderline. It's like a religious, spiritual, philosophical, am- amazing piece of meta truth. It's, uh, I, I was really, really struck by, by that particular uh, point. And so that's the thing. Like if you hate your dad, you can't reconcile. That's something we can talk about. And it's something that can, is manageable. Mm-hmm. And if, and if you can find your way in it to, 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 to practice being a better human being and offer a dying man a little bit of solace, then that's something good too. And well, that's the thing you you talked earlier, you know, about how you kind of dislike it when sort of the onus is put on the child to forgive the parent yeah. for all their wrongs. And I think it was interesting in this movie because that's kind of how it shaped up in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like he had been deeply wronged, and it was you know Jerry's responsibility to go forgive him yeah. or to open that conversation. But I think. By the end, all you can see that all the the father wanted to do was apologize, right? Like he, when he talks about, oh, I've spent the last fifteen years with Dorothy, uh, learning how to live my life, uh, how to be a better person, and then he apologizes at the end on his deathbed. It's like, it's it's both like very, hmm, how would you put that? <laughs> it's sad obviously because he's dying but it's also like uh, uh the only gift that he could give his child at that point is like mm-hmm. the the not not even the ability to like forgive him but the ability to not need to forgive him because he just he can apologize in this moment and then he's gone and then the child can do what they want with that right yeah forgive him or not it doesn't matter because he's gone but like it was it was all like kind of given to jerry to do with as he needed to do yeah and i was just thinking like you know that that was like the best case scenario for that to happen that the oh, father yeah, actually yeah. is like you know what i was real shit all your feelings are valid i was a terrible person i'm so sorry yeah um and i'm thinking it's like you know what if that had gone like badly what if he's like you know did the same thing kind of like when he showed up and and invited himself over for pizza and then turned it into a pity pie like yeah, they could have gone that way right that looked like it could have gone real bad yeah but it's like you know, it's it would it's human, it's mentionable, it's manageable. Like you know, uh, I was struck when Mister Rogers asked him about how he got in a fight or how he hurt his face. Yeah, and he got in a fight, and who you get in a fight with his father, and like the way like Mister Rogers was just like yeah. wasn't affected, just like oh my god, how that's that must have been so painful and all, mm-hmm. and that's what he would say if uh, you know this guy who tried to to do something brave and. And, and and be with his dad is that what if his dad was an asshole in the last moment then that's that sucks he can still be empathetic and passionate about it but it's it's brave like that, that's yeah. the other thing he said um when uh, matthew reese's character said uh it seems like all these people telling you their problems could be a burden mm-hmm. and he thanked them for that observation Thanks for the compassion of the yeah understanding how he could feel about that but also how it was an amazing like a daily occurrence that he sees these people being so brave mm-hmm. i was thinking like also like yeah it was probably it was hard being fred rogers but the rewards my god how many times would he go down and like people like it's one thing i guess to be like a celebrity he kind of rolls his eyes about that like you know people just oh i loved your work and blah 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 but like if like all these strangers are constantly coming up and like with tears in their eyes saying how much they love you yeah. and how much you they meant to you or you meant to them as children and now their children's like I don't know. That's yeah. It, he what it, must have been like? It, it seems like he used that as fuel to keep going, mm-hmm. keep doing the things that he sees such good results yeah. with. Yeah. But never let that kind of 
I don't know, take over his personality, right? Like, yeah, because most people, when they get that attention, they it either goes to their head or it destroys them. Like they become recluses. They don't mm. want that kind of attention. Like, but Mister Rogers seemed to be able to both accept that uh, from from many many people, mm. but also not let it turn him weird. Mm-hmm. And there's also like a, that's the other thing is um, that came out in the documentary is uh, one of his uh, the the Fred Rogers historian that works at the museum. One of the things they have is like every page of script that he ever typed. And there's a few that like when he was having writer's block where he would just like he he went, uh, you know, uh, Jack Torrance and is like, why is this still so hard? I you know, he just starts spontaneously typing in the script where he had this like, why is this so hard? I've been doing this so long and it's never huh. easy. And I just feel so stupid, stupid, stupid. And like, yeah, yeah, right. And it's, uh-huh. but you're like, oh, Mr. Rogers, don't, don't beat yourself up. But even he would like, su- su- yeah. you know, succumb to self doubt and loathing. But he had those healthy techniques. Like even typing right. that out probably was. Oh, dude, that that minute in the diner when they just go silent for a minute. That's the moment that. And when Tom Hanks looks into the camera, oh, like shit. dead into the camera, yeah. it's like. Yep. Oh, my God. It works. Because here's the thing. So when I saw they, them going for that moment, I'm like, this is the hokiest thing of it. Because yep. this is from the the, yep. the article where, like, Mr. Rogers famously did this to a room full of people. When he accepted an award, he, instead of like, giving a big speech, he did exactly what he did. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, my skepticism of, like, this is stupid and it's never going to work mirrored what the people in the room were feeling. Like, mm-hmm. is this guy for fucking real? Mr. Rogers wants us to take a minute to sit here in silence and think about the people who loved us into existence. Right. And then everyone looking around the room is like, oh, shit, that's exactly yep. what we're going to do because... He set his watch. What and... are you going to do, fucking heckle Mr. Rogers? Right. Like, yeah, that's... And I, it was effective. I, I couldn't believe it worked. Even sitting there in the theater, you know, with with eight other people around at four thirty in the afternoon, uh, yeah, it's super effective. It really is. It's. Um, I don't know how. Like I've seen so many types of charisma, mm-hmm. and so many different ways to be charismatic. But this is the weirdest, most effective way of being charismatic I've ever seen. And I think it's just this relentlessly being genuine and and open and. Uh, has Mr. Rogers written any biographies, any Not that I... any of these techniques down before I'm... he died? Because I'm, I'm, I would be curious to know what what his system is, right? Because Honestly, we yeah, get a glimpse there's, there's, into it, but I don't think he's written any books. But there's reams of interviews where he talks about like this in like a formal kind of educational setting, like his philosophy. I mean, it, he had like it's a 12th... very close to Buddhism. It's very close yeah. to like a mindfulness. Uh-huh. Um, sort of perspective on he things. also and i want to track this down because i haven't seen it he did like two seasons of a pbs show that was essentially mr rogers for adults whereas like him and his family just really? running around in fields and at the beach and just having conversations about like hmm. intellectuals and i felt like this movie was an episode of mr roger for adults yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and i guess that failed hard and he never tried it again. But I'd, I'd like to track that huh. down and see kind of what kind of weird. But but yeah, I was just reading an article the, another day that he had like a 12 step approach for communicating with children, like to take a sentence that you want to communicate and then pass it through like 12 different filters about like, we got to keep in mind that kids think this and kids are afraid of this and kids mm-hmm. grapple with this and kids kind of freeze up when you do this. And that's why his the way he communicated was so weird. 
Um, but also so effective because again, he thought about and practiced a lot like that. Uh, what he did to that kid swinging the sword around, that's yeah. like a real story written right out of the, the article. Hmm. And that's the first time you see him sort of out of his persona, which turns out not to be a persona at all. Right. Just Fred Rogers. But yeah. yeah, the first time you see him off camera. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a good introduction. And you think like, again, like halfway through, it's like, oh, this isn't going to work. It's going to be the mm-hmm. sad old man that can't cast a spell just anywhere he wants it. And no, nah, fuck it. It does. Because yeah. he really loves and understands children. <sighs> yeah, it's a great film. If you guys uh, like this and you want more Fred Rogers, you want to feel good, uh, I'm going to link these articles uh, to Tom Junad. I think is how you pronounce his name. Article, Can You Say Hero? The actual article that was fictionalized in this from Esquire. Uh, that link you can read for free. Uh, also, please, you owe it to yourself to see Won't You Be My Neighbor, the actual excellent uh, documentary on Fred Rogers' life. And then uh, if you want to know more about Tom Hanks and how he's maybe not on Fred Rogers' level, but he, he might be a, a good first apostle in the secular okay. religion we're filming, uh, Taffy Broadresser Ackner wrote a really good one for the New York Times called This Tom Hanks Story Will Make You Feel Less Bad. <laughs> uh, so yeah, if you want some more positive Mr. Rogers-based stuff, I'm going to link all those in the show notes. Okay, everybody, uh, we're actually going to be off of bald movies official official until star wars episode nine yeah it turns out the only thing we really wanted to see is queen slim but that hits thanksgiving yeah and, and we holidays might really fuck up our schedule yeah yeah yeah. and we, we might do some sliding stuff we're not i don't want to make any promises because we're yeah. kind of like looking at the schedule going hmm but there might be some hmm stuff out uh but regardless we will definitely be back for star wars episode nine at cecily and i at some point uh, during the, the post-Christmas season, we'll be talking about cats. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much for being a Club Bald Move member. We appreciate all your support, and uh, so glad that you have chosen to be our neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll see you next time. Have a great night. Would you be mine? Would you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please won't you be my neighbor?